Welcome to Consecrated, a podcast created to uplift the beauty and individuality of the religious vocation and that of the service of the different religious orders. Through interviews with religious brothers, fathers, and sisters, may we encounter the true light that penetrates true consecrated life. What do you think are some obstacles to vocation discernment today? And do you have any advice on how to overcome those obstacles or just any advice in general for discernment? I think one obstacle that may be overlooked by a lot of people is that in times past, it was more normal for Catholics to have large families and to be very generous, very generous in having large families and very generous with the idea of, of one or more of those children going off to be religious, um, to, to give their lives exclusively to God. A lot of people today, a lot of families, they have one or two or three children and the, the parents, um, and, and sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it's just the way it is. That's all God gave them. But there's a, when there's a smaller family, it's harder to have that generosity of we would love to see one of our children become a priest or religious or, um, or both in the case of like a father of mercy. We're both priests and religious. Um, and so sometimes people actually feel pressure to um, against religious life um, because, hey, I, I want grandchildren you know, um, is what, you know, is what they'll hear. And I've known people who didn't go in precisely because of that type of pressure, which is very sad. Um, I, I think another is that, you know, we have so much noise around us, um, with the constant, the culture, um, telling us that, um, you know, it's monetary success. It's, it's excelling at your job and climbing the corporate ladder and all these different things that we don't really stop to think about what does God want us to be? Everything is about what we are going to do and how much money we're going to make in our culture. And ultimately, making money will not make somebody happy. And we can see that from some of these people who make a hundred million dollars and they're still not happy, you know? Um, you know, the avarice greed is never filled. Um, you know, and, so, and we, we see that sometimes some sports figures and movie stars and they're, they're amazingly rich and they're completely unhappy people. Um, so we've got to, to recognize that what the world is telling us is going to make us happy is not actually going to make us happy. And if we would open our eyes and look at other people and observe, we would notice that. We would notice those things don't bring happiness. Um, the other part of it is, um, I, I mentioned, we're always asked, what do we want to do? Or even sometimes when people say, what do you want to be? They actually mean do, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a teacher. Well, those really are more about doing 
and even though some of them are quasi vocations, I have a lot of nurses in my family. My mom was a heart nurse for 45 years. Um, even though there's a bit of a vocational element to that, you know, being dedicated to healthcare or whatever, it's still not the same as the calling. Vocations from Vocari, it's a calling from God. How does how are we to serve God in this world and um, and to help um, to become holy and to help other people to um, to come to eternal life? And that that calling really comes down to um, just a few options. And then within those options, lots of options. So there's the calling to marriage, which is not just like, well, I, I don't feel called to anything else. So I must be called to marriage. There's an actual calling to the married state. Um, and about 90% of people are actually called to the married state, according to St. Teresa of Avila and some others. Um, there's, um, you know, in, in ancient Israel, um, the entire tribe of Levi was dedicated to the service of God. And that was about 10% of the population. And in the church, um, it's the, the old wisdom is God wanted a tithe, 10% to serve him and uh, in a particular way, in a consecrated way. Um, so are people being called to marriage, to the marriage state? And, and then within that, to whom, you know, who would be a good candidate to be married to? Not that there's only one possible good candidate, but finding a person who would be a suitable um, spouse and, and actually entering into that covenant. And then there's the call to religious life, consecrated life. And of course, that takes different forms. There's the religious life per se, the, the public vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, living in community, having a particular charism, um, apostolate that we're, we're called to in a particular community. Um, and there's the consecrated single life. And then there is the priesthood for men. And, um, you know, and so and within those, then what, what order? You know, if a young girl is feeling called to religious life, it's not like God wants her to put a, a big, um, you know, board with like 150 orders and throw a dart and just jo join whichever one the dart hits. You know, there are, there are things that can be done to help narrow it down and to have a better, um, a better set of choices, you know, what would be more suitable to her. Um, you know, it's the same thing for, uh, for men in, in religious life. Um, there are ways to narrow that down. So having time to pray, having time to be quiet um, with discernment, I think we have to actually, um, we actually have to go and look. Um, there's a lot of people who they say, well, I think I'm at being called to religious life. And I'm like, how long have you been thinking about it? Oh, five years. How many communities have you visited? None. Well, how do you really have an idea of what it's like if you haven't actually gone and visited, if you haven't actually taken the time to do the homework, to do the research? That'd be like a person saying, well, I, I think I want to go into, uh, into some form of medicine, um, and, but they're not willing to actually talk to any doctors or nurses or anybody else in medicine or actually go and visit any place where medicine is actually done. 
kind of have to have to go and explore it, you know, and so we have to do the homework and um, and then we have to, you know, take it to prayer and it helps to have a good spiritual director, you know, a good spiritual father, or you could have a spiritual mother um, who is going to walk with you in sorting some things out as things come to you in prayer. It's not just about our feelings, but, you know, deeper than our feelings, you know, what are our inclinations? What is God uh, calling us to? What attracts us? Um, and so having somebody who's experienced and, and can walk with us in that journey is very important. Um, and then finally, um, my spiritual director told me when I was discerning, he said, fish or cut bait. Um, some people, they want to discern forever. They want to just drag it on and on and on to the point that some of us joke that the largest religious order in the world is the OPDs, the Order of Perpetual Discernment. <laughs> They're just discerning for 20 or 30 years instead of actually just, you know, you do your research, you pray about it, you have a spiritual director to help you with it, and then you make a decision and you go and you do it. And if it's not meant to be, then that will become clear in, in the process because there's a formation process. It's not like you walk in the door and then you can never leave. You know, the church accounts for that by having a whole process of formation and which, which involves ongoing discernment. Um, so I think that's, those are the main things I would say with discernment is, is, is quiet, um, good spiritual director, actually doing the research, um, you know, praying about those things, talking to the spiritual director about what you're finding, and then making a decision. That decision, I think, um, personally, is what freaks everybody out. Mm. Decision yeah. making is, um, decision making has been kind of turned into almost a fear. Like, I don't want to make a decision yet. I'm not ready. We keep telling ourselves, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But then we never ask ourselves, when will I be ready? Right. And some of it is uh, with our society, I think that we've kind of um, bred in some immaturity. You know, we, we've been, we've been raised to, um, think that, well, we're not really mature enough to make a decision until we're in our thirties or something. Um, and maybe some of that's natural as people are living longer. Um, in the Hispanic culture, there's a tradition called the quinceanera, the 15, it's a 15 year old girl and it's a huge celebration. Why did they do a huge celebration when a girl turned 15? It's because in bygone days, by the time she was 16, she was going to be married or she was going to be in a convent. Turning 15 was when she was considered a full-grown woman on the verge of making her life choices. And, and now we act like, um, you know, we can't make any decisions. Now, I think 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds are generally not ready to be married or to enter convents right now. 
but we've we've gone from the point of saying well maybe a few more years to where some people are not willing to make any decisions until they're in their late 30s or 40s and that's just not healthy um and it we have to be in a certain sense those of us who want to be um i guess serious about life um to find our our purpose of life we have to be rebels against the culture and the culture is saying you know um live a free life do do whatever you want um don't make any real decisions um that last uh, that are important um and um yeah you can always put it off till later yeah you know and and but that doesn't really give peace and often leads to people making some really bad decisions um that they think aren't decisions you know um but every time a a person you know gets in more involved with their boyfriend or girlfriend than they should um and they're you know there's a decision made and a decision that could very well have lifelong uh, consequences you know especially if a child is conceived you know so um we need to not be afraid of making actual good decisions because even within the catholic church not saying that they're necessarily ready to make huge life-changing decisions but seven is considered the age of reason it's when it's when it is recognized that you have at least conscious uh conscience enough to know what is right from wrong right that's correct yeah and um <clears throat> so by you know 15 16 we should have a a much better sense of that um and and yes um you know that science actually says that the prefrontal cortex of the brain is not fully finished until we're 23 but we can still be making decisions and learning how to make decisions and learning how to stop and think things through instead of always just be flying by the seat of our pants or, or going on impulse and I think that's the danger in society today is so many people are just living on impulse as if they are beasts, as if they're just mere animals. And we're, we're not, you know, so um, maybe part of um, getting ready to make a life long type decision, like a vocational decision comes from a, a teenager learning how to make smaller decisions under the um, guidance of their parents and their maybe their grandparents, you know, um, deciding things more than do I want a hamburger or a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> deciding things a little bit more consequence than that. Um, and, and we can kind of get in the habit of, of learning how to think things through and to make some good decisions. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Father Ben. You're very welcome. Thank you for asking. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I have as well. So I hope that our listeners will join, join me again for the next episode. And I'll see you then. Okay. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Be sure to share what you have found with others. If you would like to donate, 
or discover more about the featured religious order, check out the show notes for a link to their website. If you have a religious order who you think would make a great feature for this podcast, or if you have any questions about religious life that you would like for me to address, you can find my contact in the episode notes, or you can visit my webpage at consecrated.podbean.com. I hope that you will join us for the next episode, which will be released in two weeks.